Okay, hey. so oh hi. hi. I I just wanted to tell everyone how how evil I almost was. <laughs> that was kind of a laugh, but also just like a noise of distress. But you're also like, eh, I know. <laughs> so I was going to start off the episode by announcing that this would be my last podcast episode. Um, but April Fools, it's not. But I was gonna do it to to Rachel as an April Fools prank. But like, she's had kind of a rough like couple weeks, so I'm like, I, she might really break if I do that. And Becky told me, and I was like, oh, oh, it's a really good thing that you didn't do that, because I would have just fully <laughs> sobbed into the microphone, had a full panic attack. It would have been a great time. I, I, I'm like, I'm really happy I reconsidered, um, because I don't think that would have been good at all. I think that would have been a huge downer. We probably would have had to, like, start over after I talked you down and reassured you that I was just kidding. <laughs> after I stopped hyperventilating. I know. Yeah. So I'm super happy I didn't do that. I'm sorry. Any I'm sorry for even talking about it. <laughs> Any other time when I was, I'm not such an emotional wreck, I'd have been like, hey, fuck you. Nuh-uh. Well, but that's like, what I hoped would happen. But then I, I read the room and I was like, I don't think so. I'm just real tired, y'all. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're that kind of, you're at that kind of tired where you're like crying. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I can't get past it. Like, so any other time that would have been a fantastic joke and i would have just given you shit like up and down yeah but, that that was my desired response but i was like yeah i don't i don't think so i don't think that's no no i called becky yesterday and i was like i am just i'm tired like to my bones like to my soul i can't i can't do it <laughs> yeah you're the kind so. of tired where like when i'm that kind of tired any any inconvenience i i will just scream and cry like i will yeah. just fucking freak out yep yep it can literally be the tiniest thing and it just it just sets me off because i'm exhausted what was that meme i sent you it was like um oh i have to i have to find it um i sent it to you on instagram it was <laughs> did you know it takes a plastic bag 20 to 100 years to break down yet it takes me approximately one minor inconvenience hundred <laughs> percent me <laughs> I mean, like, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's, it is what it is. You know, I'm here. That's that's what counts, right? Oh, so. okay. When I was looking for that quote, I just found a quality Facebook shirt that I want to oh, share with you real yeah. quick. Give me that. It says, and again, this is at one of our favorite Instagram accounts, at Facebook shirts. Uh, you can't scare me. I'm a gay. I'm a gay is what it says. I'm a gay. I wonder if that's their last name. I don't think so. You can't scare me. I'm a gay. I was born in January. Oh, yeah. And I have depression. <laughs> what the f- No! I was born in February and I have depression. I'm not... I it doesn't belong on a that. shirt. It was, I it, really truly think that it was probably someone's first because I do know someone named Gay, so like it is a first name. Okay, I mean it's still a horrible shirt. Oh, it's a terrible shirt. It's a terrible, and I have depression. Thank and I, you. And it has like this menacing looking skull on it. Like, oh my God, why? It's just real. It's um, it's real fucking weird. Huh. 
Yeah. Well, I apologize to all of the people named gay in the world that have to deal with shirts like that. Oh, yeah, that would suck. I mean, and I'm just sorry that you have that name. That's probably was a bitch growing up. Yeah, I don't. There's actually a character on Letterkenny named gay. Oh, you're right. It's Wait. Awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. But she, that's a that's a I thought you were talking about last name. That's her first name, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I'm sure it's a last name somewhere, too. Yeah, probably. There's there's a meme going around right now that's like, introduce yourself as the meaning of your first, middle, and last name. Um. So mine is, Rachel means you, like a sheep. Okay. Uh, my Sheeple. middle name. I know. <laughs> my middle name um, means, what the hell did it mean? I gotta look it up. It's gonna bother me. Um, my middle name ended up being something just as equally stupid. Oh, who is like God? Because uh, Michelle means who is like God. Um, okay. And then I, I just did like my maiden name, which means uh, bright army or illustrious warrior. So oh, I am, I am a sheep like God, and I am um, a warrior. What the fuck? A sheep warrior for God? <laughs> and I am. I would worship a sheep god, I guess, but like totally not right. Oh, I want to do, we can do this as the icebreaker instead. Mine wasn't that great. I mean, unless you want to talk about pranks, we can. I mean, we can tell our favorite one. That's not a big deal. Okay. Um, I want to know what yours is. Okay. So Rebecca is, um, moderator. (laughs) Aubrey, my middle name is elf. Oh my god. Mo- so what's the like format moderator elf who works in a barn? Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's all right. All so, right. So you're like a judge elf. I'm a moderate yeah, I'm a I'm like a judge um elf in the elvish barn. Farmer maybe? Yeah. Maybe. Okay. okay. I had to do my maiden name because now Levanko, I can't find the meaning anywhere. Mm. So, um, yeah, well, that my I have a pretty easy last name to do a meeting, like a meaning right. for, because it's literally right. just from an occupation. Yeah. Um. Okay. So that my actual icebreaker was like, what was your favorite prank? Because we're recording on April Fool's Day. Yeah. What um, is yours? I. Well, I never do pranks on actual April Fool's Day. We talk about that. Like, I just occasionally i have but they've never been like good pranks they're just like really shitty ones um we put uh baby powder in like the vents of a car one time so whenever it turned on it just went (laughs) into the car oh what what if that got in someone's eyeballs you dick oh well (laughs) (laughs) Ah, corneas who needs them yeah that was a problem for them not me yeah Um, (laughs) you're like i had a jolly laugh yeah, it was a good time. Everyone was drunk. It was no problem. Okay. Um, so, like, sh- you know, shit like that. Glitter bombs. Like, that kind of shit. Like, asshole-ish shit. Oh, glitter, yeah. Glitter is the SPD of the, the craft world, so. Um, um, it A senior prank at my high school, when I was a junior, someone did a senior prank um, of, like, a glitter bomb, and it did. The glitter did get in this girl in my grade's eye, and it scratched her cornea. Like, it was oh, a fucking... God. It was, like, really bad. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Yeah, it was, like, real bad. Yeah. Yeah, so just stupid shit like that, or, like, jump... I like jump scares, too. Okay. Um, 
favorites. How about yours? Um, so on April Fools, again, I was a, in a junior. I was a junior in high school. Eventful year for me. Yeah. Um, I so I texted my mom from school, and there was this girl. Oh, to this day, she's a fucking bitch. Uh, <laughs> I will not say her name to protect the guilty, but um, is this eyebrows? No, no, no this is not eyebrows. <laughs> um, so I was like feuding with this bitch, and I texted my mom from school, and I was like, I got into a fight with. Um, we'll just call her Dee Dee. Okay. I was like, I got into a fight with Dee Dee. Like we started hitting each other. I'm in the principal's office, and my mom was like, Are you? she's like oh my god she's like i'll be right there and i let it go on for a little bit and my mom was literally like about to leave work to come and like bail me out of the principal's office then i was like april fools (laughs) oh my god no i was more surprised that she believed that but i think i had like talked to her about this fucking bitch of a of a foe and i think she just knew like i could probably get to that point with her so she was like she had like one foot out the door (laughs) yeah oh my god that's really funny like yeah it happened at any moment yeah so that was probably that was probably like that's definitely the most memorable and probably one of my favorites that's nice that's good that's a good one so do you have any, before we get into what we're doing today, do you have anything to share? Um, no, I don't. I think we should just get into it. Okay. Um, do you have yeah. anything? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I mean, this is essentially just like kind of a giant update type of thing, but this episode's going to be a little different. So this this first part's going to be um, very short. It's kind of an intro to a re-release of a podcast that we're doing, uh, or that we've done, I'm sorry. So um, I'm not sure if anyone remembers. I hope you do. I've been like on a social media blitz about it, but I did an episode, it's episode 38, back in, I think it was September, about Purvis Payne. Um, my friend Lauren, Lauren is just like an honorary associate of this this podcast but she's like hey like Purvis Payne's reprieve from uh death row is ending on the 9th and I was like oh my god in December that felt like such a long time yeah um but yes it is it is here so um I'll talk about it a little bit more in a few minutes but basically his execution date had been um December December 3rd, I think mm-hmm. it, it had been. And then, um, yeah, cause we found out while we were recording that it had been stayed. Oh, that's right. Yes. So then he got a stay of execution, um, due to COVID and that stay is ending on April 9th. So at the time of this recording, that is eight days from now, that is next, uh, Friday. And that doesn't mean, to my understanding, that does not, that is not his execution date, but it is when he will be, you know, the reprieve has ended and he'll be assigned an execution date. Right. Um, so, and, and I'm sure they'll act quickly because probably, you know, so, so we thought we would take this episode just to kind of do a recap on the case. Um, and, you know, you're going to get to listen to the episode from before as well. but. We wanted to give you a recap. We want to stress how important it is to take action about this. 
um, you know, Purvis deserves a fair, a fair shot, a fair trial. And, you know, without everybody stepping up to help, that might not happen. Mm-hmm. So it's really important. And we wanted to take this episode to stress how important that is. Um, at the end of uh, Becky's really nice informational um, session she's put together, uh, we're going to talk to you about how you can help the cause um, so that we can make sure that Purvis is not given, you know, a punishment that he doesn't deserve. Yep. So I am going, it's, it's going to be a little repetitive, but this first part, I'm just going to give you kind of the, um, the reader's digest version of what's going on with this case. And then we're just going to replay the episode from, um, back in like September, episode 38. That's just going to play right after I'm finished. And yes, I will explain like the call to action that we have. And, um, it's really, really important that you do it because it's literally a guy's life is on the line and he's very likely not guilty. And even if he is, he still did not have a fair trial. I don't personally, based on the evidence, believe that he is, but that's even kind of beside the point right now. Like he needs a fair trial first. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and get into it. Um, and here we go. So Purvis Tyrone Payne is currently 54 years old and originally from Tipton County, Tennessee. He was sentenced to death for two murders that occurred on June 27, 1987. Um, and for the purposes of explaining <clears throat> the, uh, the, the circumstances around this case, it's important to note that Purvis is a black man and he lives with an intellectual disability. Um, So at the time of the murders, Purvis was 20 years old and had been visiting his girlfriend's apartment to spend the weekend with her. She had not been home at the time that he arrived, so he spent time with a friend until she returned. Later, Purvis went back to his girlfriend's apartment building and went into the unit across the hall where 28-year-old Sharice Christopher lived with her three-year-old son and -and one-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Around the same time, the building manager who lived below the Christopher's heard, quote, a blood-curdling scream, and Sharice yelling, get out, get out. The manager then called the police, and Purvis, when the police arrived, Purvis Purvis tried to assert that he had also called the police, but police did not believe this. He ended up running away from the police and was apprehended later that day. Um, My, this is just, this is um, purely like, um, what am I trying to say? I'm editorializing. I'm I'm guessing what happened is that, you know, I believe that perhaps Purvis heard some kind of struggle and went into the apartment and perhaps called the police at around the same time that the manager did. Is there that, is there a record of that? I can't remember. Um. one isn't referenced and the police i think also did a good bit of um i believe that they perhaps were lying in a lot of their reporting on purvis so um no an actual record is has i have not heard of one um so he's apprehended later that day but when the police go into the apartment of clarice christopher they find her uh, dead, stabbed 42 times, and evidence of sexual violence is also present. 
Her one and a half year old daughter, Lacey, was also stabbed nine times. In February of 1988, Purvis Payne was convicted and sentenced to death for these murders. There were several issues with the trial and verdict, namely that the Eighth Amendment deems it unconstitutional to sentence the death penalty to someone with an intellectual disability. Additionally, the crime scene evidence was not originally tested for DNA, and Purvis's request for this to happen in 2006 had been denied. On September 16th, uh, 20, um, yeah, 2020, Shelby County Criminal Court ordered this testing, but the DA, Amy uh, Wierick, that lovely gem, I said completely sarcastically, mm-hmm. she, it, this happened, like the, the request went through, but she opposes it. And there's quite a storied history of this type of opposition at the Shelby County DA office with um, another person, if not more, having been executed for a crime that he did not commit. And I'll, I'll, I'll speak about him a little bit when you hear the episode re-release. So um, Purvis's original execution date was scheduled for December 3rd, 2020, but he was granted a reprieve due to the COVID-19 pandemic, which is due to expire on April 9th, 2021. Though it's unconstitutional to execute someone with an intellectual disability, quote, Tennessee currently has no mechanism for Mr. Payne to present his intellectual disability claim a bill that would address this is currently being considered. And that's from the Innocence Project. And all these sources I will mention in the re-release, but they are, will also be listed in the show notes. So on January 19th of this year, DNA testing of the crime scene evidence yielded results that were, quote, consistent with Mr. Payne's longstanding claim of innocence, according to his legal team. They go on to say, male DNA from an unknown third party was found on key evidence, including the murder weapon, but unfortunately is too degraded to identify an alternate suspect uh, via the FBI's database. So essentially, there was um, male DNA found that's not Purvis's, and um, they can't tell whose it is, but they just know that it's not his. So, however, um, by the time the judge ordered DNA testing in Mr. Payne's case last year, key pieces of evidence had gone missing, missing. which mm-hmm, which is extremely disturbing. Um, the state is still unable to find any of the evidence most likely to have sufficient DNA from the attacker, including the victim's fingernail scrapings. Um, I pulled a a. a bolded quote from an Innocence Project um, article about Purvis Payne, and it states that innocent Black people are seven times more likely to be wrongfully convicted of murder than innocent white people. And that is fucked. And that's why... Yes, so that's why we're asking that you please sign the change.org petition It'll be posted in the show notes, and it's currently our link in our bio on Instagram. It's posted all over our Facebook page. Um, you can fucking just Google change.org Purvis Payne if you want. Um, at the so earlier today, I'll actually get a I'll get a live number, uh, but it requires three hundred thousand 
um, signatures. And today, I think it had somewhere in the ballpark of uh, 230,000, but I'm, I'd like to look up what it is now. Um, and there is also a, a survey on the Innocence Project, or I'm sorry, a petition on the Innocence Project yeah. website. I'll link that as well. Um, I don't know that it, I, I'm sure, you know, signing both would be great. I, I, I think the very accessible thing about the change.org one is that you can kind of see how many people have signed. You can comment. You can, you know, share it really easily. So it's great if you would sign both. Um, but if you do only sign one, then you know, fine. I mean, yeah. Take- I also want to point out if you just put in purvispain.org, P E R V I S P A Y N E dot org, it will literally take you to the Innocence Project's page about Purvis Pain, where it kind of outlines a lot of what we've already talked about um what we're going to talk what what becky talks about in the next the episode that is following this mm-hmm. um and it's just a lot of really good information i didn't know if you had actually seen that so i just wanted to throw that in yes that's referenced um that page is referenced in um the the an innocence project article i don't know so is it is the purvis pain website is it the Innocence Project website. It is it, but if you but type it's, in purvispain.org, it comes up to it brings you directly to eight things you need to know about Purvis. Oh yeah, 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 perfect. Okay, so, um, yeah, I actually think that that might be one of the links that I have, but if not, we can add it. Um, so that's what we're asking you to do is to sign. I mean, honestly, both of those petitions would be great, but um sign those comment share on them support the innocence projects work they do really amazing things and they've successfully like they were the ones that um assisted with the central park five um children and then adult men (laughs) after all was said and done um and we'll we will keep posting these on um, um i'm gonna mess up his name i had it all right now uh clemente Gara Harkin off as well. He, mm-hmm. they proved he was innocent. So, and we covered that case as well. The Innocence Project just does phenomenal things, and if you can support them in any way, uh, please do. Yeah, they're um, they're one of my like favorite organizations to support. Um, we're going to continue just posting like crazy about this until the ninth. But I know for me because I like did so much research about it, it's become a very I've become very emotionally invested in the outcome and I know Rachel has too so it would be great if you would um sign those share speak out about it support the innocence project even if that just means learning more about what they do um and yeah do you have anything to add Rachel Uh, no that's that's it okay um, so I will just announce I'll I'll announce our social medias just for the because that's where we're going to be sharing a lot of this. I I really wanted to take a break this week of kind of even promoting the podcast in any way except to help with this. Yeah. Um. So I will share those just for those purposes. And then we will transition into the episode from September. It's episode 38 so that you can hear the full details about this. There's a lot more um, 
uh, there's a lot more to to know about the circumstances around them, including the police involvement, perceptions about um, Purvis's quote unquote like um, I don't know immoral behavior, which is a load of shit. Uh, basically, he drank beer and used some cocaine. So uh, it's just shit like that that kind of paints him in this light. That really it doesn't matter. He just needs a fair trial. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when you read that, like, it's going to talk a lot. Like, if you read this, the article, you know, the eight things, like, it, it does talk about that. Like, there's no, there's literally no evidence that he had used drugs that day. Um, so. Yeah. And that's where I believe, you know, that police perhaps, you know, added that shit in to yep. make him an easier target and make it easier for people to get on the bandwagon of he did it. And there is not, yeah, there's not a lot of evidence to point to him really doing anything um, besides just being there. And just the fact that he has an intellectual disability and there is literally a federal amendment prohibiting uh, the death penalty to be uh, charged, like, that alone is just, like, that's unconstitutional as fuck. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah, keep in touch keep um in touch on our social medias because we'll be posting a lot about this until the 9th. Sign those petitions, please. Follow the links that we post in the show notes, look up the Innocence Project. But if you don't take away anything else, sign those petitions. Yeah, please. Um you can find us on Instagram at Chardonnay and DNA, um Facebook Chardonnay and Sign DNA. You can um we're not really on Twitter, but, you know, it's irrelevant as shit, but it's at Chardonnay DNA. We have our website, ChardonnayandDNA.com. Um, our email is ChardonnayandDNA at gmail.com. Um, I'm on Instagram. I, I am private on my personal account, but if you just want to get in touch with like me directly about this, it's at Beck underscore is a wreck. And I do I do check to see if I've gotten any messages that are, you know, that might not as easily come through because I am private on there. Um, and that's Beck underscore is a wreck. Um, but you can get in touch with me, you know, about this through the podcast shit, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the only reason I didn't give my personal is because I literally almost never check it. So yeah, I, <laughs> I send I send Rachel shit on Instagram all the time and she she like hearts it like a week and a half later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like you won't get it. You'll get me on the podcast page um, or the email. So that's, you know, um, but yeah, please give me questions. Please reach out. Um, any ideas on other ways that we can support this cause that, you know, we're, we're open to just chatting about everything. So. Yeah, please just, I don't care where you live. I don't care if you live in, East Jesus, Australia, somewhere, just sign the fucking petition. Just sign yeah. it. Yeah. Um, because it, it needs it needs to be a bigger deal. I have not seen this covered on many um like mainstream media. And I think yeah. that's a crock of shit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so unless you have anything else, Rach. Nope, that's it. Go right ahead. All right, then you will now hear um episode thirty-eight from September with the full story on the conviction of Purvis Payne.
<laughs> that was the Grinch sure. video. Oh my god, I love that. Would be me. That's me every one. day. That's yeah. like this week is like I'm trying so hard to be like zen as fuck and oh everything's chill but really I just want to scream like that I'm just over here trying to vibe and I can't like <laughs> Wait, that's what? one more time one more time because the beginning got a little cut off and release all of those sounds that are trapped in your mind <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like the great yeah <laughs> Like full costume. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I. That's me every day. Oh, uh, so besides our rapidly declining mental health, mm-hmm. uh, what's new? Um. Well, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dead, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That fucking blows. She has been like my role model since I like since I really knew about her. Oh, she did so much for not. And I get a little pissy when people are like, she did so much for women. She did, but she also did a lot for men. Yeah. 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 I I forget. LGBTQ community, like all sorts of things. Yeah. I mean, she was like, she really believed that men and women are equal and should have equal rights. But that was also, that was men too. Like it wasn't just like she was this, um, and I'm I think, saying I'm saying this with air quotes, but like angry feminist. She wasn't. She legitimately like saw everything for what it was in that like there are just like gender stereotypes attached to certain things that shouldn't be there. And that goes for men as well. Yeah, I think people focus on the women thing because men have always had great, you know, rights. Yeah. Well, white white men, let me be clear. White men have always had um like premium rights. So making strides for women and minorities and things like that are more highlighted. Does that make sense? Why people focus on that more? I I completely get like why people do because yes, like we clearly have a lot more to fight for in a lot of ways compared, just compared to like straight white men. Yeah. So I get that. But what, but I think it's important for men to understand that she also helped them. She also helped them a lot. Um, yeah. Oh, this is what it was. It was Weinberger versus Weisenfeld. It permitted widows, but not widowers, to collect special benefits for caring for minor children. So it hmm. allowed... So it, it was about this man, um, Stephen Weisenfeld, lost his wife, and then they had a little... They had, like, a little son... And at first he wasn't able to get those, those benefits because yeah. he was a widower and not a widow. Like she over, she like reversed, like she overturned that and was like, no, like the widowers should get this too. Like what the fuck? Yeah. It's still a one person household. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. A one parent household, like trying yeah, to care yeah. for this kid. So yeah, I mean, she just did, if, if like people don't know like the things that she did, like you should really look into it. The Netflix documentary is really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a, a really nice uh, decline in my mental health this week too. So I know it's a fucking blow. Her, her but- passing. <laughs> Yeah, and just yeah. what's gonna happen? <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's been fucking lovely. Yep. Uh, so you want um, an icebreaker? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. 
I don't remember if we've talked about this, but I was listening to a podcast that made me think of it. Um, what is like the case that you remember that got you into true crime? We did. We t- I think we, we talked, talked about this at the this? very beginning. Okay. Um, well, so remind me because I need to know. So I have a couple, but mine are usually really historic. Okay. So like the Black Dahlia. Okay. Jack the Ripper. Shit like that always fascinated me when I was young. Um, so from a very young age, that was the kind of shit that like I um that really got my uh attention with you know uh true crime. I, I would throw in Jean Benet Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Um and then like <sighs> Yeah, I mean, so probably that. That's... When did John Bonet happen? Like ninety six. Yeah, I think it was in the uh, mid nineties, I believe. Because so, and you're you're like what f- five ish years older than me? Because I don't know about that at all. I was well, you would have been really young too. I was very young, but I also watched the news a lot because it was always on in my house, so I knew what was going on. Um with that and my family followed that very closely so see if i were like a little bit older so yeah this happened in 96 i I was only like three (laughs) yeah so like i I mean even like absorbing any news Um, right but i was i I was curious like i bet that would have been the one for me if i was just a little bit older Mm -hmm. but mine was scott and lacey peterson I remember you saying that. Yes. I don't know why I thought yours was uh, Kaylee Anthony for some reason, which also I would I want to say that in my later years, because that was like 2008 and I was just out of high school that kind of like rekindled mm-hmm. my interest in true crime, I would say. But yeah, I don't know why I thought yours was Kaylee Anthony. Well, that, that I mean... <sighs> That story just pisses me off. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's not even the it, to me, it's not even interesting that that much because she's so clearly did it. Gu- yeah. Guilty. Fully. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people would say that with the Peterson case, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think he's guilty as sin. I think there is. Oh, like, yeah. But I was listening to um, an episode of Crime Junkie uh, and it was about and I fucking that that had happened. That word makes me cringe every time. <laughs> uh, but their episode about it was really good because there are like weird, there are some weird things that you're like, oh, that kind of doesn't make sense that he would have done it. But the reason here's the fucking reason. I was like, why am I so convinced? Like, do I just think it's the husband because the husband usually does it? No. Here's the reason. You ready? I'm ready. That motherfucker told his mistress amber heard that he had lost his wife and this was the that was going to be the first christmas without her and she died on christmas eve i think or like she or she was you know missing on christmas eve yeah also i just realized that like apparently the name amber heard just is a name for an asshole all around well i don't blame her because she didn't know he was married well that makes it (laughs) She had to have known. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's not Amber Heard. That was 
<laughs> yeah, I was like, I didn't. I was like, That's really, Johnny her name's Depp's. Amber Heard. Yeah, I was like, and she's a total asshole. So like, oh, it's Johnny Depp's wife, oh. right? That's why I was like, what? <laughs> really? That's the name for dicks in every fucking form, apparently. Oh yeah, no. And then I was like, why did she say that? And I was like, I know why she said that. That's Amber definitely. Fry. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. I was like, yeah, really? Okay. No, my be no Amber Fry. I don't blame her because she had no idea he was married because he was that big of a fucking skis bag. Yeah, but didn't she know he was married whenever he said, well, my wife is gone now? Well, no. So he, when they met, he, she was under the impression that he was single and they, and he did say that he used to be married. This is before this happened. Okay. 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 So he said that. And then like, and then a few months later she goes missing yeah likely story pal right it's just so she, uh, to to amber she, he he was a widower like he never mm. had a, like and then and then you say this is going to be my first christmas without her and then she goes missing like that's what got me i'm like no you're fucking guilty of sin you don't just say that and yeah. then that yeah. happens like that if that's a coincidence mm, then scott peterson needs to play the fucking lottery yeah yeah Anyway, I just listened to that and it got me all hot and bothered over that case again. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I've been real hot and bothered about a lot of shit this week, so might as well add that to the fucking list. Life is a fucking nightmare. Yeah, every day is a new nightmare. I don't think I have um, any corrections. I don't have any corrections. I have shit I want to talk about that we could talk about for hours, but I'm not sure. But you have that kind of time? No, I just want to say how much bullshit it is about Breonna Taylor. That's, oh, I just, oh yeah oh that's fucking yeah 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 i'm so i'm so fucking livid so you mean <laughs> to tell me that the fact that a bullet might have struck someone through a wall is more important than the fact that it did strike someone and kill them listen like, i i woke up today feeling real mad and i was like once in a while i like to troll through wpxi which is like a pittsburgh news station i like to troll through their comments on certain articles and one was about brianna taylor and i was just <laughs> i was just being such a not even a dick i was just being like because people have these ideas of what happened and they were saying that she was involved with drugs and like her boyfriend <laughs> shouldn't have fired first and blah 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 and i'm like well that's not even kind of what happened that's so. not what happened at all go fuck yourself yeah it's and it's just like people i i was looking at that and i'm like wow like the apathy and the like ignorance mm-hmm. in this is astounding mm-hmm. Every day, I hate people more and more. It's really like you guys have to register to vote. Like, please, you have Fuck, to fucking please. vote. And and I'm just, <laughs> I could be like, but it doesn't. Like, I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm telling you, don't vote for a fucking buffoon. And I know, I know, like pickings are slim right now. Yeah, <laughs> I understand that, but like. Don't do a fucking write-in. Don't write in Harambe or Oprah. Don't <sighs> vote for some third-party person because I'm sorry, like that's not it's a waste of vote. It's not how our systems it works. Like if you want, if you don't want this two-party system, okay, but that's an issue for a different time. That's not an issue for right now because no. that'll not. Yeah, because it's not going to happen by in, in two months. Here's my whole thing with Brianna Taylor. <laughs> Besides everything, oh my god! Besides so everything, weird. besides everything, I'm just. I'm just getting getting real in there. The fact that they won the civil suit, isn't that kind of an admission of guilt? 
that the city fucked up and their cops fucked up. What did they just like settle though? They like, I don't know. Oh, they got like a couple mil. I don't they got one of the no, largest I mean, like, settlements. Did the city just like settle? Was it one of those like maybe but to me it doesn't matter like a 12 million dollar settlement is a pretty big fucking deal that says hey we fucked up it was a botched affair you know what i mean like and you're seriously not gonna charge anyone yeah i i see what you mean with it being like okay and i realize it's it's different it's civil it's not criminal but i just fuck i'm just mad i don't think that it's I think that was the way for the city to be like, okay, like your daughter, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like that's to shut, that was to try and shut them up. That's all that was. And it's like, but and like, okay, cool. Like they can probably do a lot with that money that that needs to be done. Like her funeral probably costs a lot of fucking money, like all this shit. But like, that's not what they want. Like that's not, they want this to stop. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that was just hush money and it wasn't really an admission of guilt. It was just like, eh, we can spare this money for them to like stop. But it's like, right. Uh... Yeah. So sorry, I just needed to bring it up. It's bullshit. They deserve to be fucking arrested and charged. You should bring it up. People need I'm to just, talk about it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm very fucking mad and it's been like keeping me up. <laughs> okay, so you asked so. Me the, like before we pressed record how mad my story is going to make you. And I was like, I you might lean i don't know which way you're gonna lean now i think it might make you a 10 mad (laughs) okay all right all right here we go you want me to get into it yeah i don't think i have corrections okay so i've just (sighs) gotta have some animals on deck to calm me down afterward apparently yeah because you might get real pissed um okay all right so this is the case of purvis pain okay have you heard of this no Okay, so my sources are the Innocence Project. Oh, I already can tell you I'm going to be mad, so great. Right. (laughs) Uh, Wikipedia and Murderpedia. Okay. So, Purvis Tyrone Payne was born on March 1st, 1967. He grew up in Tipton County, Tennessee, and his parents were descendants of sharecroppers from the Jim Crow era. He has two younger sisters with whom he's always been really close to. Um, there are really cute pictures that we'll post um, with like him and his family. And he's just like, he has each hand has a little sister. It's so cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you know, I had to look up what sharecroppers were. I didn't really know what that was. Did you Mm-mm. know what that was? Mm-mm. It's so I guess it's like people farm land and then in exchange for that, they, it's like they pay for the land in the crops that they produce. Oh, they don't really own the land that they're farming. Yes. So that's what his parents okay. were descendants of um, sharecroppers. Jim Crow was probably um, a big you know, part of that, I'm sure. Yeah. And it was probably a, like a really shitty time. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Payne, he lives with an intellectual disability. So, school was always difficult for him and he was unable to graduate. Other tasks were difficult for him, too, like laundry and cooking. It was also hard for him to find stable employment, so he mostly just worked with his dad at um, his dad's church and with his painting business. So this way, like, he could work, but his dad would kind of be there to to look out for him. Yeah. On June 27th, 1987, Payne visited his girlfriend's apartment because they were going to spend the weekend together. However, when he got there, he found that she wasn't home. So he left his overnight bag and three cans of Colt 45 malt liquor near the entrance of her apartment. 
While waiting for his girlfriend to return, Payne passed the morning and early afternoon injecting cocaine and drinking beer. Later, he and a friend cruised around uh, the area looking at basically a, like a porno magazine um, that contained pretty explicit material. Yeah. So normal. Okay. I mean, yeah, like normal weird guy shit. Like, yeah. I'm sure all of our fiancés, husbands, boyfriends has done some shit like that. <laughs> yeah, we just have phones now instead of magazines. Yeah. That's all. That's why it's not quite as like striking to me. I mean, maybe not the injecting cocaine part, but that's kind of... Oh, uh, I definitely flinched at that, so... And, I mean, that's... You'll find out later, but that's a little bit of a wishy-washy um, allegation. Okay. So, across the hall from uh, Payne's girlfriend lived 28-year-old Sharice Christopher... He lived with her two children, Nicholas, who was three and a half, and Lacey, who was two and a half, um, in the Hiawassee Apartments in Millington, Tennessee. The building um, where the Christophers resided um, and his girlfriend consisted of four units, two upstairs, two downstairs. Each of the unit or each of the upstairs apartments had back doors in the kitchen that led to an open porch overlooking the backyard. In the center of the porch was a metal stairway leading to the ground. There was also an inside stairway leading to the ground floor hallway and front entrance to the four-unit building. So around 3 p.m., Payne uh, returned to the apartment complex and entered, and this is all, I'm prefacing this, this is all alleged, okay? Okay. So allegedly, he entered um, the apartment of Sharice Christopher at the time, the manager, who lives directly below the Christophers, heard Cherie screaming, get out, get out. The manager called the police after she heard a blood-curdling scream, which is in quotes, from the Christophers' apartment. Police were immediately dispatched to the apartment building, and meanwhile, although the manager noted that the shouting, screaming, and running upstairs had stopped, she heard footsteps go into the bathroom, the faucet turned on, and the sound of someone, like, washing up. Okay. So the first police officer arrived at the apartments within minutes of the radio dispatch. Upon arrival, he observed a black man on the second floor. Um, and he observed him picking up an object and coming down the stairs. The officer encountered Payne as he was leaving the apartment building, and he noted that Payne had, and I quote, blood all over him. It looked like he was sweating blood. Mm. So, like doesn't look great right like you're yeah like, uh, well it would probably seem like he uh is like the prime suspect right right so the officer confronted Payne, who responded i'm the complainant when the officer asked what's going on up there Payne struck the officer with the overnight bag dropped his tennis shoes and started running the officer yeah. pursued him but Payne outdistanced him and, and disappeared into another apartment complex so that's fact and not alleged like he actually ran. Uh it it's all based on police report. That's okay. All right. You. Um so inside the Christopher's apartments the police encountered a really gnarly scene. So blood covered the walls and floor throughout the unit. Sharice and her two children were discovered lying on the kitchen floor. Nicholas, despite, and that's the like three and a half year old, despite um, abdominal stab wounds that completely penetrated his body, was still breathing, but Sharice and Lacey were dead. Mm -hmm. Sharice was stabbed 42 times, 
and had 42 defensive wounds on her arms and hands. None of the 84 wounds inflicted were individually fatal, but the cause of death was likely like all the bleeding. Yeah. The body of Charisse was found lying on her back and her legs fully extended. Her shorts were pushed up her legs and this this is like really disturbing. A used tampon was found beside the victim's lifeless body. Mm, okay. Lacey's body was on the f- kitchen floor near her mother and she had suffered nine stab wounds to the chest, abdomen, back, and head. One of the wounds cut the aorta, and she likely died instantly. So the murder weapon was a butcher knife and was found at her feet. Uh, Payne's baseball cap was recovered from Lacey's forearm, her hand and forearm sticking through the opening between, like, the strap um, where you, like, adjust the cap in the back. Three cans of Colt 45 malt liquor... Um, with Payne's fingerprints, were found on a small table in the living room, and a fourth empty beer can was on the landing outside the apartment door. Payne's fingerprints were found on the on the phone and counter in the Christopher's kitchen. So that honestly does make me wonder. He said to the cop, he said, I'm the complainant, meaning like he made the complaint. And if his fingerprints were on the phone... Yeah, I just... N- Things just aren't looking good for him right now. Like everything looks like he did it. It, Yes. Um, Payne was apprehended later that day and um, he was found hiding in the attic of the home of his of his former girlfriend. Um, As he descended the stairs of the attic, he stated, man, I ain't killed no woman. One of the arresting officers remarked that Payne had a quote wild look about him. His pupils were contracted. He was foaming at the mouth. (laughs) what it says he was foaming at the mouth comma saliva like what the fuck does that mean like rabid was he just drooling like what the fuck i i don't know okay Um, he appeared to be very nervous he was breathing real rapid end quote (laughs) i don't Um, pain i don't like that he tried to describe him like animalistically yeah and like foaming at them like what do you fucking mean by that that's what like he was trying to portray him like he was an animal like that's what i mean like mm -hmm. when you think of a rabid dog you think of them foaming at the mouth so that's what he was trying to get yeah that's what he was trying to get i think like with that yeah i never even like i thought the foaming at the mouth thing was really weird to like a really weird way to um to describe him but i didn't even think of it like that yeah that's yeah Um, So Payne had blood on his body and clothes and several scratches across his chest. He also was wearing a gold uh, wristwatch that had bloodstains on it. It was later determined that the blood types found on Payne's clothes matched the victim's blood types. A search of his pockets revealed a packet containing cocaine residue, a hypodermic syringe wrapper, and a cap from the hypodermic syringe. His overnight bag, which was found in a nearby dumpster, contained a bloody white shirt. A woman who was visiting her sister in the same apartment complex that afternoon was sunbathing in the backyard and heard a noise like a person moaning coming from the Christopher's apartment, followed by the back door slamming three or four times. She said, uh, but it didn't want to shut. And this hand, a dark colored hand with a gold watch, kept trying to shut that back door. The Mm -hmm. medical examiner testified that Charisse was menstruating and a specimen from her vagina tested positive for 
acid phosphatase. Um, he said that's a that results consistent with the presence of semen, but it wasn't conclusive. So, like her, the fact that she was on her period kind of fucked up any DNA they could have gotten. I guess I don't know what their point was with that, but I guess it could have just maybe to prove why. Like, because I'm not gonna lie, when you said that her tampon was laying nearby, my mind immediately went to they pulled it out to sexually assault her. The, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, you know. I think maybe the DNA was contaminated because it's mixed with her blood or something. (sighs) Well, things are not looking good for Mr. Payne. No, not at all. No. So now we'll move on to the trial. So at the trial, Payne took the stand on his own behalf. He testified that he did not harm any of the Christophers. He stated that another man had raced by him as he was walking up the stairs When he reached the landing, he heard a baby crying and a faint call for help and saw the door was ajar. He stated that he was motivated by curiosity and he announced that he was coming in and entered the apartment. He described what he saw as follows. I saw the worst thing I ever saw in my life and like my breath just had had took and just took out of me. She was looking at me. She had the knife in her throat with her hand on the knife. Like she had been trying to get it out and her mouth was just moving, but words had faded away. And I didn't know what to do. He explained that he got blood on his clothes and his and his person when he pulled the knife out of Sharice's neck and, quote, she reached up and grabbed me and and held me. Payne panicked and fled when he heard the police sirens. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's bringing me back to my last Innocence Project one. Mm-hmm. that I did, which is kind of similar in the way of like stumbled across the bodies and touched them. You and know what I mean? Mind, he does have like, we'll get to that. And it's, so, yeah. He, he has an intellectual disability. His correct? IQ is very low. Yeah. Okay. So okay. he doesn't, he doesn't quite understand like why not touching things is important. And yeah. Like, yeah. And he just hears this woman and these kids like, wanting help so i don't yeah right so the jury returned um guilty verdicts against pain on all counts during the sentencing phase of the trial pain presented the testimony of four witnesses pain's girlfriend testified that she met pain at church and stated that he was a very caring person and that he devoted much time and attention to her three children she said that her three children had come to love him very much she asserted that pain did not drink nor did he use drugs and that it was inconsistent with Payne's character to have committed these crimes. So the, the drugs and alcohol part, I was like, but what about like all the, the Colt 45 and the cocaine? Like, not that it like means that you killed people, but I'm just like, what, like, where did that all come from then? Like in that apartment, you mean? Well, like he, it said, remember I said that he was like, it said that he had shot up cocaine, was drinking Colt 45 and looking at porn. Yeah. Like before all of this happened. But now, but the girlfriend's testimony is saying that she didn't, that he didn't drink or use drugs. So it's like, Uh, yeah, like maybe he just didn't do it around her. I don't know. And here's my other question. Just real quick. Earlier, you described the scene and said there were beer, there were like empty Colt 45 cans Mm -hmm. in that apartment. Right. Yeah, but he had the, but Payne had those as well. Like he brought, that's what he brought to the girlfriends. And it was also stated that um, there was residue of cocaine found um, 
on his uh, clothes, I think. I just meant like in the apartment that this woman was murdered in, there were empty cans of the same kind of beer that, I mean, which isn't unusual, but at the same time, like, ah, uh, like it makes me think maybe he was there drinking with her. Wiggy, right. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like it's, it's weird. And it's like, why is your, why is the girlfriend saying that he didn't drink or use drugs, but all these like alcohol and drugs are found? I mean, she also could have just been trying to paint a better picture. I mean, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, I so. she was, probably trying to protect him in a way you know it, it doesn't sound good to be like oh he didn't kill them but he does do all this you know so i think who knows? Later, i think later on his parents say that he like was never they didn't ever witness him doing that stuff so yeah it's all it's weird yeah okay well i thought that maybe with the beer cans in the apartment like i thought maybe he had one in his hand when he went in there and set it down but it did say there was another one too that had been empty okay so i don't know what to make of that wait let me go back to that really quick here's um, an oh sorry let me, i just have another question that cropped up in my mind okay one second mm. Okay, yeah. So three cans of Colt 45 malt liquor with Payne's fingerprints were found on a small table in the living room. So that's three cans. A fourth empty beer can was found on the landing outside the apartment door. That's weird. So it makes me think he was there drinking with her. It kind of does seem like that. Right. Like, I, I don't know. But my other question before I forget, when they were questioning him... Were they aware of his intellectual disability? Oh, yeah. I'm about to get to that. Okay. All right. Sorry. That's just a very key thing for me. Like, I have yep. a really hard time with uh, really shitty interrogation techniques yep. when they don't account for that. So, okay. Yep. So, a clinical psychologist testified and said that Payne's IQ score were verbal 78 and performance 82. Historically, the, like, quote, mental retardation score is 75. Okay. So based upon the scores, the doctor found that he was definitely mentally han handicapped, but not, quote unquote, like, I meant, you know, mentally retarded, which is a really outdated term, but that's what they're using yeah, here. But the, yeah, in, in this, that's what, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it like, it's very evident that he's not an average person, like, uh, with average intellect or capability, you know. Right. So he was being questioned. Wow. They, okay. Yeah. And the psycho or the psychiatrist also stated um, that Payne was the most polite prisoner he'd ever met. It just doesn't. Mm -hmm. At the sentencing phase, the judge allowed <sighs> both the public defender to use testimony from the defendant's friends and family and the district attorney to introduce evidence from the grandmother and mother of the victims. Um, Payne's parents testified that their son, who was 20 years old, only 20 years old oh. had no prior criminal record and had never been arrested they also stated that Payne had no history of alcohol or drug use he worked with his father as a painter he was good with kids he was a good son the state presented the testimony of Sharice Christopher's mother who related the emotional trauma that the double murders had on Nicholas and how he continues to cry for his mother and sister Dozens of witnesses, including the police, friends, neighbors, experts, testified at the trial. The evidence that he perpetrated the attacks were was overwhelming, according to uh, Chief Justice 
Rehnquist. Uh, Payne denied the charges, claiming he came upon the bloody victims, and the DA stressed in his closing arguments the senselessness of the killings, the violence displayed by the defendant, and the innocence of the victims. The jury convicted him on two counts of first-degree murder and two counts of attempted murder and a related charge. The jury found, as to both the murder of Sharice Christopher and Lacey Christopher, that Payne knowingly created a great risk of death to two or more persons other than the victim murdered during his act of murder and that the murder was especially heinous, atrocious, or cruel and that it involved torture and depravity of mind. As to the murder of Lacey Christopher, the jury found that the murder was committed against a person under the age of uh, 12 and Payne was 18 years of age or older. Finding no mitigating circumstances sufficiently substantial to outweigh the statutory aggravating circumstances, the jury sentenced Payne to death on each of the murder counts. Here's the thing. It's important to note that because of his intellectual disability, the Eighth Amendment deems it unconstitutional to give the death penalty. Right. Okay. Um, so this little... This is like a little blurb I took, I think, from either Wikipedia or Murderpedia. It, so this case was called Payne uh, versus Tennessee. Um, and it was a so it, it calls it United States Supreme Court case on criminal law, which held that testimony on the form of a victim impact statement was admissible, thus overruling two of the court's precedents of in the case of Booth uh, v. Maryland. Um, it held that stare deceases could be disregarded where fairness to victims rights had priority over the demands of consistency in the common law so basically like this overturned previous um decisions that like victim testimony isn't admissible um and they justified that by saying that in this case it was more fair to the victim it was more important to be fair to the victim than it was to like uphold consistency huh. i'm wow. like okay okay how do you fucking sure. uh, yeah so such statements could be allowed during the sentencing phase of a trial and the admission of these statements in death penalty cases did not violate the constitution so this says the case had an enormous impact as it recognized that victims had rights in criminal criminal cases in the united states I get really I get very conflicted on like victims rights issues like because obviously yes victim have victims have rights to know certain things rights to give testimony all these things but like do I think it's necessarily a great thing to implement when it comes to like deciding the death penalty i don't know <laughs> yeah um, i have very very conflicting feelings about the death penalty in general so um i fucking hate the death penalty yeah i said that yeah yeah i uh i yeah i'm not really thrilled about it um but <laughs> I just, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I'm pissed. I'm just pissed off. Like, yeah, it's even um, though even though I have not been given any details that he has not committed this crime yet, I'm well, still pissed off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
It's just not being handled well. Yeah, that's why I'm angry. Like nothing. <laughs> okay, continue. Mm-hmm. And I think it is important to point out that these victims were white and the alleged perpetrators. Of course they were. Back. Of course yeah. they were. Um, so issues with the court hearing. <laughs> I just get out like a scroll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's like 14 pages on a Word document that you have to go through right yeah. now. So the main issue in this case was whether damaging testimony in the form of victim impact um, statements could be admissible in the sentencing phase of an otherwise fair state trial. Um, <laughs> additionally, there were issues of whether admission of these statements in a death penalty case violated the Constitution, whether the uh, Supreme Court was bound by the doctrine of stare decisis to follow its prior cases. Because, you know, when you fucking decide something, maybe it should um, follow the same fucking pattern for future cases. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. So the court held that testimony on the form of victim impact statements was admissible in constitutional and death penalty cases, thus overruling two of that court's precedents. Um, in that stare decisis could be disregarded where fairness to the victim's rights had priority over the demands of consistency. Um, it specifically overruled Booth v. Maryland and South Carolina v. Gaithers. Um, I just get really annoyed with that because it's like, uh, to me, like victim statements, they're going to be fucking horrible and sad. And, like, no one's arguing that this situation is not fucking horrible and sad. But the question is, like, did this person do it? It's not whether this is a fucking heinous crime. Like, we all know that. Yeah. I I see value in them and I don't. So, I, But I also look at it from, like, a mediation standpoint when I'm looking at them rather than just just that because like in cases of sexual assault a lot of times victims feel like they have no control over what's happening and like victim impact statements are one of the only things where they can have a tiny smidgen of control and closure in what happens um i can see that you know what like i i get what you're saying i truly do but i think that they are necessary in certain situations i certainly um, think they're necessary if the victim can provide can is a witness to the crime right but this this victim's dead yeah the victim impact statement is this like is this grandmother slash you know, grandmother of these grandkids mother of the victim saying that the poor son is crying for his mom and sister at night. Like that's fucking awful. Like no, right. And I, that's I just, I don't know that that gives anything to this case because no, except makes to figure out like they're trying to figure out who did it. And if it was this guy. Yeah. And that's just playing to their sympathies and making them want to throw the book at him. Mm-hmm. Even if the evidence doesn't point that he actually did it. Right. I, so. I don't like when that lack of objectivity comes into these cases, especially when it's about a dude's life. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, it's different when it's the actual victim and, you know, they are. And, and yeah. And when it when it can. How old was the little boy? Three and a half. Uh, he's too young to really point at him and go like, oh, yeah, he was there. So, yeah. I was just, you know, just yeah, I get it. Because sometimes kids can like, if they're old enough, can 
you know, relay that information. Right. And if he looked at that, if, if he looked at Purvis and was like, oh, hi, and like totally normal, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe he, you know, I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Continue. Sorry. Just have so, lots of questions. I know. So the, I'm not going to go through all that shit. There, it's just the court's decision about a number. Just there's some reasoning for why they are saying um, that they should be able to take in take these into account. If you'd like to know them, I can tell you why victim statements should. Yeah. No, I mean I know why they should, but in this situation, it doesn't feel like it's bringing value to the case. Like you know. Or we, we're trying to prove if he's guilty. And if you give statements that pull at the heartstrings, it completely blurs the line of what you're trying to do. And I, I get what you're saying, like, because sometimes, yes, it is about victims' rights and their right to closure and their right to give a testimony. But that's not fucking happening here. The victims right, that's, are dead, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, it, it the, feels like a manipulation tactic it, it is does. what it feels it's like. It's not like... It, it should there should be very clear parameters around when that's acceptable yeah yeah um okay so there were three justices that dissented uh john paul stevens thurgood marshall and harry blackman um okay so pain the pain case has a really significant impact um about you know victims rights criminology the law the supreme court itself um and like all the parties that are involved in cases uh the case was one in a line of cases that showed how the request the renquist court shifted to the conservative right on criminal cases so that renquist judge that i had um Mm -hmm. talked about earlier like he really shifted things um you know to the right side rather than being kind of neutral (laughs) right um so Payne's execution was stayed in april 2007 and after protracted litigation um, again, scheduled in December 2007 and stayed again that month. Payne is still alive as of January. Well, this is old, but um, as of January 2010, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I'll get to the more present moment. So this is where the Innocence Project comes in. So the Innocence Project holds that it wasn't just that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. The The prosecution case against him exploited his intellectual disability and relied on um, racist stereotypes um, to paint a portrait of pain as a dangerous and like uh. hypersexual drug user. Mm-hmm. So Payne didn't know the Christophers and he had no reason to attack the mother. He had no, there was no evidence that suggested that he physically like, or that he sexually assaulted her yet. Police and prosecutors argued that Payne had made an advance on Christopher while using drugs and alcohol, and that when she rejected him, he had stabbed her to death. However, there was no evidence that Payne was using drugs, which um, that's where I'm like, but what about there was like cocaine residue? Like, was that all bullshit? Was that not really found on him? It was found in the apartment or something. Right. And who knows? She could have been using it. Right. Like, I, like, did they just like, what did her that? toxicology report show? Uh, exactly. And like, w- the, where all these people are that know him and i get there's like there is a protection thing but it's like all these people that know him are saying that this is not in his character 
Yeah, I was going to say, had he ever been violent before? Like, I mean, no. and if he had done drugs, okay, maybe that could have changed his he temperament shortly. Kind of he had no record. Yeah, yeah. This and is I, all I fucked. I just don't think that you go from no record to, like, violently killing a, an adult and a child and sexually... So, I, so okay. There is no evidence that he was using drugs, according to the Innocence Project. He was never given a drug test. And his mother had begged police officers to give him one. And no evidence of drug use was reported during the initial investigation. So my bet is that fucking cocaine residue and shit was probably, like, just worked in there somehow. Like, yeah, it was found somewhere else and they just assumed it was his or they wanted it to look like it was his. Um says Payne had no interest or no history of drug use, violence, and did not have a criminal record or any contact with the legal system before the day he found Sharice in her apartment. But the prosecution argued that Payne had been searching for sex after using drugs and looking at a Playboy magazine. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck off. He's a 20-year-old boy. Right. Like that's it was probably what they functioning do. at the level of like a ten year old boy. Right. Fuck out of here. <sighs> so this argument that a young black man became violent as a result of uncontrollable um sexual urges and drug use obviously relies on really like harmful ideas of what black men are, you know, what what black men appear to be, you know. Yeah. So it's not, they're not based on facts and evidence. Um, according to, I thought this was just an interesting statistic that you've probably heard of, but um, according to the National Registry of Exonerations, innocent black people are seven times more likely to be wrong, wrongfully convicted of murder than innocent white people. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Yeah. Um, Shelby County, where the trial took place, is among the 25 counties with the most recorded lynchings between 1877 and 1950. So Payne grew up just like hearing a lot of stories of um of white men torturing and murdering black men in the area. It's in the context of this history that the prosecution repeatedly referred to the victim's white skin when pointing out areas of her body during the trial, which I think is really yep. fucked up. Yep. So they're just like repeatedly reminding that they it was a white woman who died white yeah yeah um and it's just set against like a really racist town <laughs> yep um so pain was wrongfully convicted well that i mean that's their opinion is i i mean i i could see why they thought it was wrongful but so this this happened in february 1988 but to this day none of the evidence despite all this goddamn blood has been tested for DNA. What? Payne had previously filed a request to test the evidence in 2006 and was denied. Since then, laws in Tennessee have changed and now allow DNA evidence to be tested again uh, against existing databases, meaning Payne has a right to test all of the evidence in his new case, or in his case. I want you to know I'm doing, like, the white guy blinking gif right now. Like, really? This was an. I get that like DNA hasn't been around for a while, but it was fucking around in the eighties and nineties. So the newly discovered evidence contains um, significant DNA that could prove his innocence. Um, there was bloodstained bedding from the victim's bedroom. Um, 
And this is weird because this whole time prosecution was saying that the crime occurred in and was contained to the kitchen, but they also found bloody sheets in the bedroom. So the the reason I heard about this was um, because on September 16th of, of this year, just like what a week ago, the Shelby County criminal court ordered DNA testing of crime scene evidence that has never been tested in Payne's case. He's scheduled for execution on December 3rd of 2020. Uh, Vanessa Potkin, director of post-conviction litigation at the Innocence Project and a member of Mr. Payne's legal team, um, made the following statement. The court's thoughtful and reasoned decision to order DNA testing in Purvis Payne's case is just and in line with Tennessee's clear DNA testing law. When DNA evidence exists in a death penalty case, as it does here, it should always be tested to avoid the irreversible act of executing an innocent man. Mr. Payne never should have been put on death row because he has an intellectual disability. The U.S. Supreme Court has banned the execution of people with intellectual disability, making the state's pursuit of Mr. Payne's execution all the more appalling. We have been clear from the beginning that DNA testing can be completed within 60 days. DNA testing is an important piece of the puzzle in the case, which has been racially charged from the start. The district attorney, um, <clears throat> this bitch, Amy Weirich of the ca- of that county, opposes the fucking request. I-, I don't think she can oppose it to make it like not happen. Well, I don't know. But she doesn't want it to happen. And she yeah. has a history of this shit. Um. Well, maybe not her, but the the town and the district attorney's office does. There was this case of Sedley Alley, uh, who was executed executed by the state of Tennessee in 2006 after being denied DNA testing of underwear found at the the crime scene that he was believed belonged to the perpetrator. His daughter April Alley continues to seek the truth in the case, and last year the Innocence Project filed a, p- a petition for posthumous dna testing in sedley's case with uh which the district attorney's office opposed of course they did so here are just a couple other like kind of weird things so there are other suspects in this crime like the victim had an ex-husband who had a history of abusive behavior including physically mentally emotionally abusing the victim um, when they were married and get this shit at the time Investigators excluded him as a suspect because he was serving a sentence for aggravated assault at Fort Pillow State Penitentiary, um, a minimum security prison. But at the time of so at the time of the murders, he was there. But an employee of the prison has since admitted that it was common for minimum security inmates to leave the prison during the day. For what purpose? Without repercussions. Meaning what the fuck? Yep, meaning it would have been possible for him to visit the victim <sighs> and potentially perpetrate the crime while serving his sentence. And additionally, a man was seen running from the crime scene shortly before Payne discovered Christopher in her apartment. Both Payne and other eyewitnesses uh, saw this this guy. So, yeah. like, there is more to be done here. And, like, why don't you just fucking do the DNA test? Like, Because is- they don't want to admit that they're wrong. Oh, that's so fucking lame because, like, yeah, because they're going to get sued and they should. They should right. get so fucking sued. Uh, there's a petition that I'll post the link for that you can sign. Like, so 
I I will agree that like given the initial information, it does not look good for him. But there's so much more, and I think this was like I think it's I think shit was planted. I think um, I think that I very much question the drug use. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just too much to question here to definitely say he did it. And it doesn't him. look great. It doesn't look great. Don't get me wrong, but. They need to do their due diligence and look into everything. Test the fucking DNA. Yeah. What is the big deal? Like, just fucking do it. Yeah. You're trying to pin this on. Yeah. Fuck. It's really bad. Uh, and like, unless they get it stayed again, I mean, December 3rd is not that far. It's truly not. And I just, I still think it's horseshit that they can't even execute him. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that too. Just... <sighs> yeah, so that's I'm a nightmare. <sighs> Every day is a new nightmare, and this just adds to it. What the fuck? Yeah, it's real bad. It's a super fucking bummer. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't kidding when you said that this case was going to fucking be a bummer. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so... <laughs> You're like, yeah, so, um, don't know how to make this a little bit better now, but... Nope. Did you start watching The Vow? No, I did not. I did oh, not, because my it. life has been an entire dumpster fire. Okay. So, um, but I will, because I, I'm sure that I will... It's so, oh, it's so good. ...need to delve into something. No, I have been watching... This is going to be my padded room. Uh-huh. I've been watching Degrassi, The Next Generation again. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's So fun. I started from the beginning because I watched it in high school, but then I had my car accident and like I have memory loss um, from my like head injury. So I don't remember a lot. Like I, I, I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that happening. But I'm remembering stupid things, you know, that I didn't remember watching. It's so cheesy. And I love ripping it apart. And that's what I'm doing. I don't know that that wasn't next generation. Was it? That was the OG. Yeah, no, that was next generation. Oh, was it? Yeah. I just got to the point where he got shot. So, oh man. Yeah. So Jimmy's in the wheelchair now. Poor Jimmy. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I mean like it's, it's good. I, the whole reason I started watching it was because I was like just playing music videos in the background and I'm upset came on and that's like a Degrassi reunion. Yeah. And I was like, no, I want to watch Degrassi. Nice. So I just really like ripping it apart. Like there's a there's a scene where like they're starting a spirit squad, which is like cheerleading. And the one girl, Manny, is like, they're like, show us what you can do. And she does like two cartwheels in a row. And everyone that's watching is like, oh, my God. Like she's like some kind of fucking prodigy. And I'm like, it's a fucking cartwheel. Like, please <laughs> calm down. And then they they're like, we, we came up with a new move. We call it a toe touch. And she just like lifts her leg up in the air. And I'm like, that's not a toe touch. What the fuck are you doing? A toe touch is a jump. Like, so I just love ripping shit apart in it. That's all. <laughs> so that's no, what I'm doing. That's a good, like, that's a good, like, comfort show. Yeah. Yep. So that's, that's what I'm doing right now because I need comfort. So what's your padded room? Um, I hardly have one. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, let me think of one. Doop dop doop dop doop dop doop dop. <laughs> um, 
I can tell you a meme I just saw that has me fucking pissing myself, if that'll help. You can do that because I don't have one. I'm sorry. I'm coming up empty. (laughs) The blue whale's anus can open up to three and a half feet, making it the second largest asshole in the world next to Mitch McConnell. (laughs) Oh, my God. Punch him right in the fucking turkey neck. (laughs) I read that. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. His turkey neck is bigger than my hopes and dreams. Okay. I just. Wow. I can't. That thing has secrets. <laughs> it's saying. actually he's actually an alien, and the alien operates from inside of his turkey neck. Like, like you like, know how like in Men in Black, like there's the little dude inside the other guy's head. Yes, Have you ever seen Men in Black? Yes. That's in his turkey neck. That's what's actually happening. Uh, that is what's happening. Or like Plankton um, is trying to get the formula yeah. from the crusty yeah. crab. <laughs> he's yes. in there. That's what's going on. But yeah, so second largest asshole. I like um, that. That's fine. Yeah, it was good. It made me it made me chuckle. Um, do you want some cute animals to make the world a little bit less shitty? Okay. Just a little bit. I can't guarantee it'll be great, but um a yeah, baby bongo. <laughs> a baby bongo. Okay. It's like a cross between a cow and a deer. Oh, damn it. The fucking uh, toy came up. There's like a baby bongo, like... um, Ew, no. Like a little tykes toy or some shit. No one cares. (laughs) I certainly do not care about that. Let me just give my baby a bongo and some, like, fucking, like, hippie hair and go to town. Like this was going to be a monkey? No, it's a cross between a cow and a deer. Fuck. But they're actually antelopes, but they look like a cross between a cow and a deer. I think I must have been thinking of like a bonobo. I, I don't know. I thought it was going to be. A yeah, monkey. that's a monkey. Okay. But no. Um, and yeah, a this, baby. Cute. Yeah. A baby babarusa. Also not a monkey. B-A-B-I-R-U-S-A. Okay. Oh, I don't know, Rachel. It's a pig. It looks like, yeah, it's like a little pig. Okay. I have a picture of one of them getting fed. So that's why I'm like, oh my God, I love you. The babies are certainly cuter than the adults. Oh yeah. I mean, I said baby. I specified baby. You did. Okay. So. All right. So yeah, there's your two animals. That's all you get. I don't have the energy for anymore. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Um... Check us out on Instagram at Chardonnay and DNA, Facebook at Chardonnay and sign DNA, <laughs> the Twitter we never use at Chardonnay DNA, uh, the website is chardonnayandDNA.com, and we are on Patreon. The Patreon is linked to our Instagram. Uh, I will be posting it on the Facebook too. Subscribe, help us out, help us keep producing these for you. Um, get some pretty cool shit. So, yeah. Okay, there's our plug. Do it. Give us money. Give us money. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. Just help us out. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. So, all right. Anything else? Mm, Nope. Arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. Arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. Um, I got to say. Fucking same. All right. Arrest them. Bye. Bye. Bye.